Hey, I'm Rob Garbas, and this is The Compositional. Today, I'm talking to Theofan Ufschmidt. Hi, Theofan. Hi, Rock. So the reason we're talking today is because Theofan has been working on content addressable model for Nix for some time now. And I'm really curious uh, about what was your motivation? What's the current status? What is left to do? Uh, and when mostly we can start using it <laughs> um, and how. And I think the best way to introduce somebody uh, into the Nix community is by you telling us how you got introduced to Nix. Yeah, sure. So uh, that goes back to my 30 times. Uh, uh, that was actually an amusing story. I had a friend which was like the the hyper uh, functional type system guy. Like we were studying uh, OCaml because I was in a French school and French students study OCaml. And this guy was very much into Haskell and oh, it's so much better than OCaml and you should try that out. And uh, and we were patiently listening to him saying all that. So you started as a OCaml user? No, I wasn't using Nix for OCaml. Uh, I, I tried, but it, uh, there, there was nothing for that, so I quickly gave up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, so when one day this guy came and see me and say, "Hey, I saw this thing called NixOS. It looks so so cool. Like it's uh, it's like put Haskell in your in your operating system. It's nice. It, well, it, it looks like something that has been done by a bunch of researchers and like is." no usable in practice but it looks so cool from a theoretical point of view and uh so he showed me that and and that that just stopped there and one day i had a a spare machine and i thought hey i'm gonna try that thing he told me about that uh, at least for once i'm gonna be the very hype guy who's trying some exciting new stuff and so i installed nixos on this old machine and i yeah, like a few weeks later, I, inst I installed it on my laptop, and uh, and that was it. And then I went back to him and said, "Oh, okay, actually, this theoretically nice thing that you showed me—that's not usable in practice. I have it installed on all my computers, and you should definitely try it out." And uh, he tried it out, and there, and then there began to grow a small community of NixOS users in the in the university. And that's how I started. So Nix is quite popular in, I mean, in quotes, of course, popular among the Haskell community in the French universities. Uh, so the Haskell community in the French university is restricted to maybe 10 people. So that's fairly limited. <laughs> but uh, in that very small subset in my university, it was popular. Ah, interesting. But yeah, as I said, that's uh, maybe, yeah, the the... I guess the channel that we used to hang up uh, had maybe ten members or something like that. <laughs> you still you still talk with um, with people um, that you kind of started using Nix with. Are they still around the community? Yeah, yeah, they are, they are still there. Uh, more or less, some are just users. Some are actually reasonably active contributors, and uh, I'm still trying to we're still trying to get more users which is slowly happening maybe nix will one over the french universities at some someday so is the work you're doing 
with content addressable model is actually going to bring more users? Well, uh, uh, hopefully, yes. Uh, now, it's it's not a very user visible change. I mean, it, like when you when you see Nix, I mean, it took me a long time to un- to just even understand what was content addressability and what it could change to the Nix model. So, it's not it's not a very like something that in two months will bring thousands of new Nix users. It's a, but it's a rather fundamental change, which hopefully will make Nix uh, more relevant in new contexts, and that in the mid or long term could yeah bring new users on new use cases. So we are changing a bit the uh, groundwork, how all of the things work. And so what would be the, if you can maybe single out one main benefit that will come out, what are you excited for? Maybe what got you started with actually working on content addressable? Well, your last question is is the simplest, and it's probably the same as the first one. Uh, the, the, the reason I started that was a very um, pragmatic uh, reason. Uh, at that time, I was working for a company called Grok, uh, which had a Nix-based build system. And uh, it was awesome like uh, so i could try it out and uh, i was really thrilled by it but it had one very big problem which is that it was insanely slow uh, so part of the slowness was because uh, evaluating nix code can be slow and so you had a, a fixed cost of like 20 seconds for every comment that you were running uh, but that's unrelated to content address stability and the other part was that they had uh, one specific thing, like they had some uh, generated files uh, that were very cheap to produce, but that were used everywhere else. And these generated files were nearly always the same, but their inputs were constantly changing. And it was very frustrating because uh, every time one of the inputs of these files was changing, it meant that you had to regenerate the file and rebuild everything. And everyone was like, but these files are the same, precisely the same. We shouldn't have to rebuild anything. So they came up with uh, a very dirty hack that could allow you to emulate content addressability in Nix, but at the cost of making the evaluation times even much bigger which was solving half of the problem at the cost of making the other half uh, way bigger. So what was the dirty secret they did? <laughs> uh, the dirty secret that they had uh, is it, it, not a secret, but it's dirty. <laughs> uh, it, it's just that you can actually cut the work of Nix in half. You just tell, ask Nix to generate this file, and then you import them again as brand new files from your file system. And in that case, they're going to be content addressed. And it's like, yeah, there are two parts of the build, and the second part doesn't know about the first part, just knows about its actual inputs. Uh, so you have to run the Nix build basically two times if you want to kind of build it from scratch. Yeah, yeah, or in practice, you can hack inside the Nix language to make that happen using some of course. import yeah. from derivation-like thing. But uh, yeah, inside the Nix interpreter, it has to evaluate everything up to the stop point and build everything and then start evaluating again from that point, which is very slow. So that's where the the frustration started to grow and you could start seeing. Uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I told them, oh, but maybe there's something I remember that I saw somewhere 
try, trying to solve that problem. Maybe we should have a look at it. So I read your, you wrote two blog posts on the Twig blog. And I must say that in the beginning, I, 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 when I read your first blog post, I said like, because you're talking like that Nix has already the input, um, does the kind of the input driven derivations uh, and he's not catching the output. And I was like, why was this not implemented? And um, then on your second blog post, when you start talking about the problems, so the first problem, the self-referencing, I was like, yeah, I see, I see, this is hard. So I imagine the whole journey to get to the content addressable is much more than these two blog posts. How did you make the roadmap that you will work on? That How will you not get lost in all this um, huge amount of work? Well, I kind of followed the same process that you did. Like when I first saw that, I thought, okay, it's uh, well, there's a it's a bit of a pain because you have to change a lot of things uh, in the code, but fundamentally it's not that hard. And it took me like two weeks, I think, uh, to write a proof of concept for Grok, uh, which was working locally. And I could try it on Nix packages by marking some derivations content addressed and it was working, it was nice. And uh, then I wrote uh, an RFC f uh, because there's a uh, there's an RFC process in place in the Nix community, and so I wrote a, an RFC document for that, trying to describe uh, what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do that, um, which led me to realize a number of things. And so I shrank down this RFC document as much as I could. Uh, there was already an RFC for uh, making Nix content addressed, but it was really big picture, like how we want Nix to be in five years with regard to that. And yeah, that, that, that was four years that were missing in the picture. So there was no roadmap how to get there. It was just, we want that. And... There was no clear roadmap, no. And, um, and actually what the RFC was about is much smaller than what I eventually ended up writing. But it was just making this proof of concept who's working in a very specific case. And if you're very cautious, uh, a real thing, uh, which meant like no remote caching for content address derivations. Uh, if your um, derivation is not deterministic, which is something I mentioned in my last blog post, uh, then, uh, well, you're screwed up, but it's your fault. You shouldn't have used it. So you kind of have to, with content address, at least in the beginning, you'll have to opt in into the content addressability? Yes, that's, uh, that's one of the fundamental points. Uh, if only to ease the, mig the migration, it's totally opt-in. And uh, like per derivation, you can specify for each derivation whether it's going to be content addressed or not. Yeah, that makes sense. Because you also have to figure it out how people will actually start using it, not only how to get it done. Yeah, exactly. And then you also need to make sure that uh, code that evaluates and compiles with uh, the current Nix uh, will yield the same outputs uh, with the next version of Nix, because otherwise it's a nightmare. Of course. And uh, Nix has been very, very good in being stable in that regard. Like, I don't remember any really big backwards incompatible change. And uh, if you take Nix packages from a few years before, you have a very good chain that it's going to still be evaluated and compile and yield exactly the same results with uh, the latest Nix master, which is definitely something that we don't want to break. Yeah, this, well, I, I think versions of Nix actually 
bite me already in the past, like different version evaluating something different. Uh, but it was some obscure thing, uh, which I shouldn't be using, <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think if you let users do any dirty hacks, they will do them just, you know, because they can. Because <laughs> they try to find the easiest way to get the job done, and usually the dirty hacks are. Uh, are you planning any dirty hacks in the content reversibility? Yeah, well, in a way, it is a dirty hack, but... Uh, one nice thing that has been introduced recently in Nix uh, to prevent these kind of issues, or at least make users aware of them, is that uh, every dirty hack or things not yet really stabilized is has to be explicitly opted in by the user. There's an experimental features flag uh, for everything that's not considered production ready and that uh, the Nix team doesn't uh, for which the Nix team doesn't make any guarantee as to whether they're going to be stable in the future. And so currently, CI derivations fall into that category, which means that we can do any dirty hack and break compatibility as we want. So it takes so that it can take time to stabilize and... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, makes sense. Which is good because I noticed already in the past few months several things that in the design that had to be changed in a not really backwards compatible way. So uh, yeah, that's a very, very useful thing to have. Yeah. So you already start talking about like the, the code and being there. And what is the current status of where you are with your work? Is it something that we can already start playing? Because I think in your last blog post, you already kind of hinted how, how you can actually start using it. So you can start using it. Uh, definitely not in any production machine. I wouldn't recommend that. In terms of what's already merged into mainline, uh, there's something that's more or less working locally. At least you can build stuff and uh, try to rebuild it and see that uh, it's not rebuilding stuff that it shouldn't be rebuilding. Is this under some uh, experimental flag? Yeah, there's an experimental flag, a CA-derivation that you need to enable. Uh, it, it's still lacking a lot of documentation, so you might have to look through the, the test suite to understand how it's working. Uh, but So that's the part that has been merged. Uh, it's definitely not usable for anything expe except experimentations. And then there's a bunch of pull requests open uh, that uh, make it more robust and uh, add support for binary caching which uh, in my experiments is more or less working. I mean, it, it would need much more testing to make sure that it's properly working in every case, but at least in the simple cases that I could try, uh, it seems to be working so far. And all this works with uh, self-referencing as well? Yeah, yeah, self-referencing is already, actually the, the ability to make, uh, I, I, I nearly, well, I, I didn't lie because I didn't tell that I did it myself. But the ability to make a content addressed path with self-references was something that Elko already implemented before I start working on it. Uh, it's just that you couldn't use it uh, inside the, 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 the build process. There was an, an external uh, experimental command, uh, Nix make content addressable, I think, or something like that, uh, which allowed you to do that on a per path basis. So that, that's already there in master. Uh, I think uh, if you take the, the latest pull requests, uh, all the features are there except 
that I'm still working on implementing the signature for content address derivation outputs, like uh, because uh, currently within in traditional Linux, uh, the build outputs can be signed so that uh, you can send them over the wire and uh, a guarantee that uh, you build it themselves, uh, yourself, sorry. Uh, and uh, content address derivations in the slight change to that because you can't sign exactly the same thing and it's not fully implemented yet, but that's the main big feature that's missing. Uh -huh. So just, the, I mean, just the signing, but it is the, f to kind of round up the whole uh, feature around, um, to kind of have the full circle come kind of coming back that a user could actually be experimentally be using it. Let's put it this way. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, we need all the, the wrapping up part, which will probably be the, the longest, at least in terms of the overall time span, which will be making sure that all the comments play nice with it and that you can manipulate content address derivations properly. So mm -hmm. a large part of that stuff has already been done. For example, garbage collection should work exactly as you expect it to with content address derivations. But... For example, uh, you might want the dash dash check comment, which is supposed to tell you whether a store path is deterministic or not, uh, to take into account the specificities of content address derivations, which is something that's not implemented at the moment, or a lot of minor tweaks like that. So the last part is almost done, or it's under underway, and then it's really just getting it, uh, kind of polishing the whole uh command line to be aware of this and that it works correctly yeah exactly and probably also some uh like not just the command line probably some internal cleaning and uh, optimizing because there, there, there's surely a lot of small cleanups to make like like always but that doesn't prevent you from playing with it yeah uh, i saw a lot of times you uh, in all of the pull requests i've seen uh, you do a lot of um, prototypes and then like I've seen a lot of code being thrown away. Um, it's like it being replaced, rewritten all over. Uh, how was that kind of, why is that actually, why do you do so many experiments? Uh, well, it's, uh, at first it was only halfway intentional. Like I, I wrote a first prototype, which was definitely a thrown away prototype. And then we wrote it thinking, this is the final version. We're going to have to make a few tweaks to it, but, uh, it's nearly there. And then we had some broader discussions and the RFC process went on. And I realized that this second version was still not good enough and we would have to tweak it a lot, uh, with which uh, made me a bit frustrated because I essentially had to rewrite it from scratch. But uh, at the end of that process, I realized that, uh, yeah, even writing two draft throwaway versions was actually a really good thing because it helped me understand a lot of the trade-offs that would have to be made. And yeah, so the kind of took three times the time it would have taken to write only one version, but I think the, the result was worth it. Yeah, definitely. I mean... Uh, you mentioned that you had a lot of discussion. I imagine that when you opened the RFC, a lot of people showed interest because it's one of the things that we, I think it has been talked about, the content reversibility in one or in the other form. Uh, but who was helping you with, with, um, with discussing it or even helping you implement it? So uh, with regard to the RFC itself, that was a, a broad 
participation of the community. Uh, now it happened that uh, Obsidian system had a, a practical interest into that, into their work, into uh, bringing Nix to IPFS or IPFS to Nix. I don't know which way around. <laughs> And so I, I started uh, helping a lot with that uh, generic sign in particular. And of course, uh, Elko also helped through the whole process and doing the actual integration because he's, uh, he's still the, the, the only one that has such a, an inner knowledge of how Nix works and what you can and can't do in the code base if you don't want to mess things up mm-hmm. or not mess them too much. <laughs> so you you're getting to know the Nix internals and how all the things work. Yeah, actually, I I think at that point I yeah I I start understanding Nix way too much. I start I I used to like as most of the people who were beaten by Nix to think in terms of Nix expressions and stuff. And now I realize that I'm thinking in, in terms of how things are happening inside the Nix code base, which is a bit scary. <laughs> Well, it's good because I think uh, what Nix also needs is more Nix contributors in general. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, I, I hope it's uh, yeah, it's a lot of experience that I gain on the Nix code base that I hope I'm going to be able to leverage uh, for other projects later. Yeah. So uh, we talked about the current status, the future, and we we still didn't. I mean, we kind of tried in the beginning to mention what this could be used for, but maybe now is the right time to. Um, to get the listeners excited about the content addressability of Nix. And in your blog post, you mentioned uh, that this would ease the load on Hydra, like not so many things will be rebuilt. Now, I think majority of, uh, I mean, not majority, but some might understand uh, why is this so, but uh, did we do we have any... Did we do any um, investigation? How much less load is this going to be? Or is this just uh, an estimation? Yeah, so far it's just an estimation because uh, we need, uh, we, we couldn't do any serious estimation until we had uh, the feature wrapped up uh, correctly, which uh, will hopefully be the case in the, in the coming weeks. Uh, and then we're going to be able uh, to try and test that in actual real life workloads like having a small separate hydra farm building nix packages like the official one is doing but using content address derivations and see well it's going to be a good test bed because we're going to see what's failing but also it's going to tell us how much we can avoid with that because yeah as you said that, that, that bit is still a bit uh, a lot of guessing it will certainly save a lot of work and there there are some examples of like Nix packages changes that trigger the rebuild of the whole universe. Why well, it could be much more local, mm. but it's hard to estimate without having an actual implementation. Yeah, but I can see this this saving. Like you just with your work, you just added like few machines to the built uh, cluster. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. Uh, the other so the reason why I actually entered. Uh, I mean. You started working on content addressable uh, model for Nix. Uh, you said was because of the build attri- build uh, system attributes of Nix, and I think for me this is where it's really becoming excited, exciting because the the feature that was missing in Nix and everybody 
rightfully so said that that's why Nix is not as good as a build tool as it could be is uh, I think everybody refers it to early cutoff. Yeah, that's uh, the the key feature. Uh, that actually, the, the term for, comes from a, a rather recent uh, scientific paper, which was comparing several uh, build systems with a rather large notion of build systems. Uh, build systems a la carte. Yeah, exactly. And uh, describing some key features of build systems. And it happens that Nix can tick nearly all the cases, except the, the big one, which is this early cutoff property, which means that, uh, yeah, exactly the original use case. If you realize that what you've just built is exactly the same thing as something that you had built before, you can just stop the rebuild saying, oh, I know what's going to happen next. So yeah, that, that's fundamental, I think, if we want Nix to be successful as a build system. Like there, 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 there is a lot of build systems which uh, don't have early cutoff, starting with Make, for example, which uh, doesn't have a way to to say that something is the same as something already built. But I think uh, most like recent build systems that uh, are intended to be used on big code bases, which is probably where Nix uh, would fit, uh, have this property. Uh, because it's so much of a lifesaver when you can have it. So maybe in the near future, there's going to be a version of Nix or variant of Nix or a package of Nix or a wrapper around Nix that will actually allow us to use it as a, a full-fledged uh, build system. I think. I, I really hope so. Yeah. <laughs> As I mentioned at the beginning, at least in uh, in the case of uh, of Grok where, where I worked, uh, there was another big point point, which was uh, the evaluation time. Mm -hmm. But that's also something that's been worked on. Uh, in particular, I think Flakes could uh, make this uh, much, much, much faster because it would allow some much more efficient caching. Mm -hmm. I think there is a lot um, of caching already being done, but there is still a lot of opportunities there too. There, there's still a lot of opportunities. And actually, yeah, with regards specifically to the evaluation time, uh, so one of the big contenders to Nix uh, in the build system space is Bazel, which uh, has a somehow similar model, mm -hmm. uh, but has been designed as a build system from scratch. And in particular, uh, incremental re-evaluation of the build graph is uh, nearly instantaneous in Bazel, mm -hmm. which uh, even in very big code bases, which is a, a killer feature. But uh, it happens that it's just because they have a very aggressive and efficient caching of the evaluation because uh, for from scratch builds uh, on the same kind of projects, uh, Nix tends to be much faster. So if we can add a bit more caching to the Nix evaluation, uh, it could be much faster than a lot of competitors also on that aspect. Uh -huh. So I see. So this answers the question, what is still missing after the content addressable uh, in order for Nix to become a build system used by masses? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the big feature. And uh, I mean, li like always, you then have the, the, the small feature that ends up taking all the space, which is how you redesign the, the Nix UX to make it uh, properly usable as a build system because the it's not clear, maybe it is, but it's not clear that uh, using 
just playing raw Nix uh, to build stuff would be the most uh, enjoyable experience. Maybe you want a slight abstraction on top of it to make your inter-package dependencies easier to manage and stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe even taking the language out of Nix itself. Yeah, that, 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 that would be an option to try and abstract a bit of the language to give you more flexibility in what you can express. Yeah, that that's definitely a thing to look forward to. Yes, it is. Are you having sometimes the um, the need to uh, for some extra help, maybe some extra eyes that could look at it? Like, is there is there work that uh, some people could actually some Nix developers or people who are, are interesting in this topic that could uh, look, review, help, maybe comment? Uh, I would really love that because it, yeah, the, the Nix codebase have a pretty big problem uh, of uh, of contributors like they're yeah as i said mostly elko is the only one who really understands uh, every inner bit of the code base and then there's a lot of more or less occasional contributors uh, some which are fairly regular like me and yeah i'm not the only one who start working on it a lot but it's still a very small uh developer basis compared to, for example, Nix packages, which has, mm -hmm. I don't know how many people are working on Nix packages, but it's insane. <laughs> That's true. Uh, there is quite a discrepancy. On one side, we have like this huge base of people working on it, contributing, and on the other side, the thing that actually enables the whole thing, uh, there is only few. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if this is always kind of the case that there is always somebody like in the open source community that always does the is the small group that does the heavy work, uh, just because yeah it takes time and energy to get into it. Uh, I wouldn't be that surprised if there was a lot of other examples of that. Yeah, I mean we, we we've seen that there's, there's some known examples of big open source libraries used by everyone, which are actually developed by one guy in his chamber and uh, being paid uh, half of the minimal wage for it. How hard was it to actually start contributing? Like the first time you opened uh, C the C++ file, how was it? <laughs> what was the reaction? On my case, that was pretty hard because I had never written any line of, oh, actually I had written a bit of C++, but like virtually I could consider that I had never written any a line of C++ in my, in my life. So. That was a bit tough because of that. Uh, and uh, I, I wouldn't really be able to say whether to someone with C++ experience uh, that would be easy or not. Because to me, that's like, if I were asked to describe C++, that would be Nix's C++ because that's all I know. Now, I, I have been told that it's reasonably nice code base to work in as far as uh, C++ go. And uh, I, I mentioned that there was only a few contributors, but despite that, I think uh, the code base is adapting to the new C++ features when they are actually allow you to have some better code. So it's a relatively old code base because it's like Nix went really out in 2005. But despite that, it managed to still get a modern feel. I have a very, very, very hard time speaking of a modern feel with C++ because to me it looks <laughs> like a, an odd language from the old times. But uh, yeah. but I think it's a reasonably approachable and okay code base. Yeah. It takes some time, but with a bit of persistence and determination, I think uh, 
you, you, if you're focused, I think if you're focused on the on the outcome, I think that helps a lot. Yeah, 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 it does. I, yeah, I, I started by writing some stuff like copy pasting some lines of code that seemed to be doing nearly the same thing as I wanted and tweaking it a bit, <laughs> which I, I was a bit ashamed of. But by doing that a lot, I actually managed to understand what I was doing. I wonder, I think this is how we, how everybody learns how to code. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like copy pasting from, uh, well, at least you copy paste it from the same code base, not from the internet, but there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. At least it's consistent in style and. Uh, yeah. So, I think there is a lot of a lot to be to be done still in Next. There is, there are many other initiatives that are in the RFCs that are open. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, and I think with, um, I hope this encourages everybody to actually look uh, how um, you can contribute how everybody can contribute to to the next code base and make it better. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, there's a, a lot a lot to be done and it's actually I mean I I'm lucky to be paid for doing that uh, which is awesome and uh, and probably not everybody has that opportunity. But uh, I was surprised. I mean, it's not the first time I'm working on Nix. Uh, I used, I have done an internship a few years ago uh, on uh, to trying to add a type system to Nix. So the, the overall outcome was, uh, the practical outcome was essentially null because, uh, well, that, that was an internship and that didn't end up on something practically usable, really. But I was quite amazed uh, at how people were willing to, even spend money for that. Like I needed to be paid for my, for this internship. And at the beginning, there was no company to hire me. So I made a fundraiser and people were, have been donating a lot for that. So I think there's quite a lot of opportunities here to be taken. I think this kind of returns the circle to me because now I actually remember I actually donated to that fundraiser. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> no, I remember. I think it was called Ticks or something similar? Yeah, Ticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was written in OCaml. So it, it, the, 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 the original version was written in OCaml, yeah. And after the end of the internship, I tried rewriting it in Haskell because uh, the intersection of the OCaml and Nix communities were at that time essentially reduced to myself, <laughs> which would not have made it easy to recruit new contributors. Yeah, no, that, that reminds me of my time before having kids. It was some time ago, right? <laughs> when we still have time. Uh, but that's great. Uh, I think at this point, uh, we said, we, we hinted of what, next, uh, of what, what is hap going to happen with uh, content addressable. What's the interesting parts? Um, is there any special thank you that you'd like to give that that are people that really helped you or that you hope that will help you so you kind of poke them a bit <laughs> oh well i'm thanking the whole nix community who will be doing so many reviews in my pull request in the following weeks uh, but apart from that yeah yeah i really i really want to thank well first twig who's funding me for that uh, and grok who has been funding me at the beginning uh, which really helped me starting with that and then uh, Elko and John, which have been helping me, or maybe have been help helping them, I don't know which way around it was eventually. 
But uh, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't have done that uh, alone, uh, even with the money. That would have been too much work for one person. Thank you, thank you a lot for coming. For coming. Oh, thanks a lot for inviting me. Yeah, I think uh, for the listeners, I hope this is our first podcast regarding the Knicks and mine as well. Hope was as uh, hope was not embarrassing, but I hope if it's something was wrong, let us know. Um, we can always improve uh, gradually, like we do with content impressible. Thank you. Thank you.